Please rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John chapter 18 verses 33 through 37 from the New Revised Standard Version. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you to, about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my, kingdom for, for, if my kingdom were from this world, my followers will be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king. Jesus, Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Kids, you're dismissed for a kid's zone. It's good to be back with you, seeing all your faces. We had an opportunity to, to be away last weekend. Uh, the, the youth did a great job of leading our worship service. That's kind of one of the neat things is even though we kind of missed, we were able to see uh, the service and, and uh, really appreciated uh, what our speaker had to, to share last week uh, with overcoming adversity and uh, glad that you got to experience that firsthand and, and uh, maybe some of you got to participate in the uh, session that he led before the worship service. Uh, so thank you to Michelle and to our, our youth for uh, helping put that together last week. Uh, Katie and I had a chance to um, get away but also uh, perform a, a wedding last Sunday for uh, one of my youth, one of my kids. Uh, so it was a opportunity for us to um, celebrate that milestone in, in their lives. Um, so we're grateful for that. Well, we are, believe it or not, it's hard to believe that it's, we're already halfway through November. I'm not sure where the fall has gone and um, starting to prepare for Advent has been a little overwhelming because it just doesn't feel like we could possibly be there already in this calendar year. But we are coming to the end of especially the, the Christian or the church calendar. Uh, the church calendar actually begins with Advent, and so we're coming up to a new year for all of us who are followers of Jesus and in the church here. Next week, we'll focus uh, our worship on themes of thanksgiving, uh, so we'll have that opportunity. Uh, so this morning, we're actually looking at the theme that's reserved for the last Sunday of the church calendar, which is Christ the King or, or the Reign of Christ Sunday. 
Um, we don't always here at Spring Creek follow the church calendar, although there's a lot of uh, beautiful wisdom that's kind of built into that church calendar. It begins with the season of Advent, which is about anticipating the coming of Jesus, who came and will come again, but also comes in glimpses as the reign of Christ is made visible or manifest, as we see it embodied in the church. And following Advent, we have Epiphany and Lent and Good Friday and Holy or Silent Saturday. We have Resurrection Sunday, Ascension, Pentecost, and then this huge stretch of time called Normal Time. Uh, And the church calendar uh, helps to continually remind us of the story of Jesus. It's kind of this cyclical thing that we are reminded again and again and again of the good news of Jesus. And this whole calendar points us towards the truth that we claim as Christians that Jesus is Lord. And this has been the confession of the church, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen? Now and into eternity. So we're going to be taking a look at this passage in John chapter 18, but with our eyes kind of looking forward to the passage that was read out of the Revelation chapter 1. That Jesus claims to be king, Jesus is king, and Jesus will be the returning king at some point. As we look at that this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, it is good to be here. It is good to be with the family of faith. It is good to gather together and to proclaim that you are Lord. And we remind one another of that often. Every Sunday, maybe in the middle of the weeks as well. But this morning, we especially focus on it. Ask that you would be moving in our midst opening up our hearts and minds to your words. May the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a little bit of the the buildup that is coming uh, to John chapter 18. We, we, uh, our passage comes from Pilate asking these questions to Jesus, kind of putting Jesus on trial. But what has happened in the verses in the chapters just previous to that is that Jesus has been arrested. And the high priests and Jewish officials want to have Jesus executed, but they don't want to be the ones in charge of the execution. They don't want Jesus stoned to death in the Old Testament fashion for blasphemy. Instead, they want Jesus executed by Rome. Jesus becomes something of a political pawn between the Jewish leaders and Pilate. And throughout uh, the way John tells the story, there's this kind of um, wrangling back and forth between the Jewish leaders and Pilate as to uh, who's in charge and what exactly Jesus is being charged with. Pilate is going to put this sign above Jesus' head, Jesus, King of the Jews, And the Jewish leaders aren't going to be real happy about that. 
And Pilate basically says, I've written what I've written. I've said what I've said. I've put the charge as I see it above him. Of course, the the Jewish leaders aren't real fond of uh, a Roman uh, governor putting this charge above Jesus' head. This section of Scripture actually contains the highest concentration of the king motif in the Gospels. We hear this, are you the king? What is it to be a king? My kingdom. This is a a highly concentrated section of kingly language surrounding Jesus. Rome, or Pilate, is aware of the political dimensions of Jewish messianic hope. When when the Jews talked about a Messiah, when they looked forward to uh, the coming Messiah, Rome knew what that meant. Because in in Jewish history, in Judah's history, this had happened before, where uh, the, the Jewish people had put their hopes in a Messiah that had conquered Greek uh rulers that were over top of Judah and for a time had reestablished Jewish independence. And that was not in the ancient history of Judah at that point. That was in fairly recent history. And so Rome knew that there were all kinds of uh, political foreshadowings or political hopes that were attached to the Jewish hope of the Messiah. The threat of Jewish revolt led by pseudo-messiahs was an ever-present threat. It was part of the reason that Pilate would uh, call in for extra soldiers into Jerusalem at the time of Passover. Well, John invites us into this scene to hear the questioning of Jesus. Or maybe as Jesus flips the script, the questioning of Pilate. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? It's really a a bold ask from Pilate. Remember that Pilate doesn't care about religious laws being broken or fine points of Jewish blasphemy. Pilate is primarily concerned with the political status quo of Roman authority and maintaining that rule over Jerusalem. Jesus responds with a question and places Pilate into the hot seat. He says, do you ask this on your own? Did you come up with this idea? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate responds back, I'm not a Jew, am I? He says. He's saying, what does it matter to me, a Roman, if you are king of the Jews? I'm a Roman. I'm in control of the situation What does it matter to me? But in John, when that term, the Jews, is used, it's a term used to mark those who fail to follow Jesus as Messiah. So in John's thinking, Pilate may be lumped in with this group. He might be part of this group that is failing to see, to observe, and to recognize that Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus responds, my kingdom is not from this world. Some translations say, my kingdom is not of this world. It's important also that this word for kingdom can also or maybe should be translated as the reign or rule. So it could say, my reign is not from this world. What's the point? 
This is one place that we in the 20th century and then in the 21st century have often over-spiritualized things and made the reign or the kingdom of heaven very otherworldly. It's something that will happen in the future. It's something that will happen when I die. It, will, it is something that will happen when Jesus returns. But it's not something that is also impacting the here and the now. But what Jesus is emphasizing is not the location of His reign, but the authority or the way in which His reign will be accomplished. It is a different sort of authority. And it is a different sort of, or way of being than Pilate or Caesar's rule. The Gospel writers make very clear that the reign of God is coming to bear on the present world. That in glimpses and in ways this kingdom is, is growing out. is starting to, to impact the here and the now. Is, is growing like the mustard seed, is infecting things like yeast through bread. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Commentator Gail O'Day says that Jesus is describing the nature and the function of His kingship, not a place. Jesus is basically saying, if my kingdom were from this world, if it operated under the same principles as kingdoms whose authority originates from the world, then my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. That is, my kingdom does not operate under those principles. Actually, the word Jesus uses here for servants is the same word used to describe the temple guards who arrest Jesus by force and attempt to use violence and coercion with His followers and with Jesus. Who are beating Him, spitting on Him, slapping Him, and, and, and mocking Him with the high priests. And so Jesus is contrasting His followers who secure the kingdom through serving rather than threats of violence and coercion and manipulation. And so if Jesus' followers, those who identify Jesus as King and as citizens of the kingdom or the reign of God, do not operate from a kingdom of the world perspective, then how do they live? How do they act? What does it look like for Jesus' followers to follow Him? Missiologist, a guy who studies missions and, and what it means for us to live as missional people, as, as missionaries in our everyday lives, a guy named Michael Frost says, the early church lived what he calls questionable lives. In other words, lives that caused others to ask questions. He says that Jesus ate and drank with some questionable types. Some of us wouldn't be caught dead eating and drinking with some of the people that Jesus shared life with. 
Early church, the early church was criticized by Roman officials for their care of the poor and the sick, strangers and aliens. Romans, officials, emperors took notice to what the church was doing, to the way that they were living, to the way they were caring for people. And they assumed that they had devious motives in their love feast and their eating with one another and the way they cared for one another. In fact, the Roman uh, emperors tried to manufacture their own kind of um, outreach, their own kind of uh, social justice programs, their own kind of uh, reaching out to the poor, and it just didn't take on. The, the, the pagan, um, pagan priests couldn't pull it off. They didn't have what it took to really reach into the lives of the poor and the marginalized and the disenfranchised because it was something that was not naturally a part of their beliefs. But the followers of Jesus reaching out to the, to the lost, least, and the disenfranchised was just following the model of Jesus that they had seen lived out in the life of their king. See, the early church didn't fit the stratified culture of Rome. As the church consisted of slaves and masters called into loving relationship, and women were treated as co-workers of the kingdom. It was something foreign to the, the Romans around them. Well, I wonder what might it look like for you and I to begin to live in these ways, to live in these patterns? What patterns might we introduce into our lives to live questionable lives? Now, I'm not going to suggest that you and I need to like drop everything from our daily routines and take up this whole new agenda, take up this, this whole new thing. We're busy people. We have families and jobs, and those are places of mission. Those aren't places to be abandoned. Those are places for you and I to live in very intentional ways in which we follow Jesus, in which we continue to proclaim Jesus is Lord. But I wonder, are there some practical ways we might begin to more consciously live as servants of the reign of King Jesus. Again, Michael Frost suggests a few practices or a rule of life to help us live into the reign of Christ and share that reign with people around us. Now this following thing, this is not something on my own, uh, but sometimes I need practical steps, practical ways in which I can start to put into practice some of the things that we talk about in church. So these are our how-tos for our ought-tos. Right? These are ways that you and I might practically begin to live some of this out. And it conveniently spells an acronym BELLS. B, that B is for bless. Impact there. We are called to bless three people this week. You think about making your life about blessing three people every week. One inside the faith community and one outside the faith community and one other person. Think about how uh, your job, how school, 
how your family, how the world around you might start to begin to change and shift and see glimpses of the reign of Christ if every week you and I intentionally tried to bless three people. Could be a big blessing. Could be buying groceries for someone or just, you know, going completely out of your way to bless someone. But it could be something in very small ways that we are blessing, a, a meal here or there or, or, you know, picking up the coffee tab for, for a stranger or a, a friend, just little ways of blessing people, three people each week. The E, eat meals with three people outside your immediate family. Three meals. We often talk in the Church of the Brethren how eating is so important, so a part of our life, and it has historically been a part of our life together as a church. But what would it look like for you to share three meals with, with other individuals, other friends, other coworkers in a very meaningful way? Meals, coffee, whatever. The point is to sit down to the table across from another person and listen to what is happening in their lives. It can be one inside the faith community, one outside, and, and one other person. Inside, outside the community of faith. But to sit down with three people and just share life with them. Listen. Focus on listening to what they're saying. Don't meet with them just to regurgitate your stuff. Sit down and listen to what God's doing in their life, whether they, whether they voice it that way or not. They might just tell you what's happening and, and the hurts and, and the things happening in their lives. They might complain to you about work or this, that, or the other thing, but just be listening for opportunities, for ways that God might be working in their lives, for ways that you might begin to speak the good news into their lives. So we got bless, we have eat, and then we have the first L is listening. Spend one significant amount of time listening to the Holy Spirit. Not just a prayer on the go moment, but an intentional time of sitting and listening. I recognize that for me, I could probably figure out three ways to bless somebody. I got to eat, so I might as well eat with others. But listening, stopping, pausing, and listening to the Holy Spirit, that in and of itself could be a, a radical practice for many of us. Stop and listen. How is God moving in your life and the lives of those around you? And be attentive to what God speaks to you in that time. The second L. Spend one significant amount of time learning from Jesus. The best way might be on occasions to read through an entire gospel account. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Sometimes we, we read and we want to analyze every passage, but sometimes it's good just to, to read the whole story. Read it in one sitting. Mark might be the best place to start. Mark's a little bit shorter than the others. 
John might be a little bit longer. Matthew, Luke get a little long-winded sometimes. It's good to read through those whole stories. That's not to negate your other uh, Bible time, devotional time that you do. That's not to say that you shouldn't be reading from the rest of the, the Old Testament and the rest of the New Testament. That Old Testament is Jesus' Bible. That's His scriptures. So we can't negate those passages, and it's, it's one coherent story that leads to Jesus. But spend one significant amount of time learning from Jesus. If He is King, if He is Lord, learn to live, learn to act, learn to think like Jesus did. Bless, eat, listen, learn. And that S then is that you are sent. We are all sent out ones. And I want you to think intentionally about what it means to be sent out. And so maybe you need to grab a journal. Maybe you need to grab some, some friends, some, some other followers of Jesus. And you need to process how God is sending you. Who is God sending you to? Who is God sending you with? And maybe you need to jot some of that down. Maybe you need to keep a record of it. I have to admit that journaling is not something I do well. Sometimes in, in my best moments, I you know, wake up in the mornings and I get my journal out and I write down what happened in the day previous and I write down my, my prayer things and I keep all of that. But i got to be honest, my journal also has some blank spots and my journal just has some dates on occasions. Um, but in the best moments, it's kind of a, a record to look back and see how God is moving, how God is working in my life, but also in the lives of those around me. And it's a chance to be very reflective and intentional about thinking about how God is sending me to neighbors, to other friends, to other family. So use that time to think about how God is sending you. So if we would every week think about how we could bless three people, how we might eat with three people, maybe the B and the E go together, how we might listen to God's movement, how we might learn from Jesus, and how we might think and process and be intentional about how we are sent these practices, just little ways of working them into your lives, might help us intentionally cultivate values of the reign of Christ, hospitality, generosity, empathy, love, care for those around us. They might be opportunities for us to practice reconciliation, forgiveness, listening to others, loving one another. Just little tweaks, little things to, to implement in our lives. Jesus does not deny the question that Pilate asks him. Are you king? When Pilate then decides to acclaim or pronounce Jesus as king of the Jews in a sign placed over his head upon the cross, truth is being proclaimed. Pilate asks, what's truth? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. That is truth. Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is King, not just in some sweet by and by, but also now. And Jesus will bring the fullness of that reign to bear. As John will later write, to Him who loves us and freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? Look, He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And on His account all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen? Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You and I are invited to be citizens of the kingdom, citizens of the reign of King Jesus even now. Those who live out the reign of King Jesus even now. And there are all kinds of ways that we can catch those little glimpses of the kingdom now, where the poor and the oppressed, the marginalized and the broken, even the rich and the powerful, because Jesus says, with God all things are possible. All are brought into relationship with the King and with one another in Jesus. These are the questionable lives that you and I are invited into. Practicing this bells, bless, eat, listen, learn, scent, might just be a way to get us started. So this morning is an invitation for us to continue to proclaim and live out that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King. If that's something that you've never proclaimed, you've never um, confessed, that's something that you're not currently uh, living into, I'd love to share more with you about what that means to to say Jesus is Lord, what that means for your life, what that means uh, for your life now and into the future, into all eternity. I'd love to share more with you following the service about what that means. As we draw our worship towards a close, I'm going to invite you to uh, rise in body or spirit and to turn in your hymnals or look at the screen for All Hail King Jesus. Uh, We're going to sing this through actually three times. We're going to sing it through twice and then we're going to change the keys and we're going to sing the chorus through again. So I invite you to stand as we sing together.